Lost in Solway, the latest novel by George Fairbrother. One foggy night in the bleak January of 1943, with storm clouds and enemy bombers in the skies above them, life and death decisions confront many of Solway's home front heroes and villains. That night, Sylvia and Sydney, a pair of brave, hard-working young people, are brutally propelled into a strange and incomprehensible world, finding themselves on a remarkable, terrifying, and occasionally comical journey into the unknown. Lost in Solway, available on ebook and paperback from Amazon. Find out more on georgefairbrother.com. You are listening to The Bill Podcast. With me, Natalie Rolls. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com. Shop.saturdaymorningpress.co.uk And cityfiction.co.uk This special reunion between us two CID sergeants reaches its climax as Raji shares some hilarious encounters with the public when we talk about fame. Raji also takes part in my roles play, Quick Fire Round, and then dishes out some absolutely fascinating insight into the acting process, including some of his brilliant self-tape tips which I have since used. Oh, and we chat about soup. Lots of soup. We hope you enjoy. What about your TV guest roles? Your TV guest roles? Look, Poirot, Robin Hood, Wake from the Dead, Waterloo Road, Law and Order. There's loads. I tell you, one one story I will tell you. So it's when I was at EastEnders. I was uh, down at Ikea in Croydon. Um, I was with the kids and popped to, uh, there's a Burger King just nearby and we're just getting some lunch before we headed home. And this older Asian gentleman came up to me and my kids were sitting over in the corner so I could see them and I was like keeping an eye. And he said, look, do you mind if I just stop you for a minute? And I said, no, you know, you won't. He said, look, I just want to say I really love your family in EastEnders. And I said, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you're doing a really great job representation it's lovely to see you da, da, da. I said well thank you for that and he said can I ask you one question though and I said yeah of course of course he said um, he said I'm intrigued why did you leave the police force to become an actor that is golden that one oh that I mean what do you do with that hilarious. what, what do you do how do you answer that one I was get that was a question that I was going to ask about any you know fan stuff that's there you go, you've answered it. That's remarkable. Yeah, that's the weirdest one I've had. I mean, luckily I had my kids there, so I said, oh, look, I'm so sorry, I've, I've got to go. My, my child's just dropped his thing. And I sort of, you know. <laughs> so he must have thought, and I think about this almost on a daily basis, 
he must have thought that the bill was a fly on the wall documentary, but he understood that EastEnders was a fictional TV program. At least it was that way around. Well, yeah. Although I did have a woman in a, I did have a woman in a supermarket once stopped me, and we were chatting away for ages. And she said, "Oh, how are you?" And I was like, "Fine." And because I'm really terrible with names and faces. I, I didn't know if she was someone I knew, like from the kids' school or something, you know. <laughs> and then the kids came up and were like asking me for stuff because we were in a supermarket and they were saying, oh, can we get so And she went, oh, they're your kids. And I went, yeah. And she went, oh, didn't know you had kids. So straight away my brain's going, oh, well, I obviously don't know you because anyone who knows me knows I've got two boys. And, and she went, yeah, because you never see them on the square. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you stupid that's that's a gem, that one. Supermarkets used to be the one for me. The people would be like, I really, you know, you're horrid, you're really... And you'd be yeah. like, oh, excuse me, <laughs> I'm just going to get... Yeah. Really? But they do take it on board. It is weird, the stuff that we take for absolute granted, because we're sort of aware of the industry and how it works, that we... I don't think it's dismissive of me, but I, I think it, we don't realise, actually, some of it is quite difficult to grasp. You know, especially when you're seeing someone in your house on your telly every week or every couple of days. It's kind of weird, actually, that all this stuff we take as normal. I'm going to do a quick fire round. I don't know that I do quick fire, but go on. Do a quick fire, darling. Every answer is a 10-minute monologue. No, you can do quick. You can do quick now. Favourite film. Oh, Shawshank. Shawshank. Yeah, Shawshank, yeah. Green Mile. Um, yeah. Tastiest meal that you've ever had? I love food. I love food. I don't know. Oh, really? There's so many different... I, I, I love food so much and I cook a lot. Oh, we might have to do Sorry. a whole other podcast on food. Oh, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do one where I, I I keep thinking I might do a thing for YouTube where I just cook a meal just to see if I can do it. I mean, I can cook a meal, but whether I can film it it's, it's and make it interesting. All of that. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm the same. I'm like, this would be really cool. I could do this. And da, da, da. Who's going to film it? That yeah. Oh, this thing. My, my, I think my tastiest ever meal that is a memory of being in Italy in the middle of absolutely nowhere filming something. And we were taken off to just a, a rooftop restaurant that seemed very yeah. basic. And it was rose petal pasta with Ooh. fresh cream, rose petals, pistachio. I mean, it was just simple, but it was one yeah. of those meals where you, you just go, I will never repeat that. I could never make that as, as beautiful as that was. But yeah, that really sticks. And then this other thing in Italy which was just a side of a cow probably it was the most everyone in the restaurant had the same thing it was just so a bottle of red wine and a green salad simple but that Ah. just like oh I could eat forever and ever and those parade soul I'm not really a big I, I don't I'm not really a big music listener um my wife is. She I'm looks surprised. But because I'm driving a lot now, uh, when I'm going up and down to Liverpool, I have a little playlist. 
Okay. So um, that sort of on, on shuffle repeat kind of thing. So yeah, uh, I guess the big the big the big songs that come to mind on that are Mr. Brightside. That's that's always a good that's a banger for when you're in traffic. Uptown Funk. That's another one. Yeah, that's a good one for in traffic. I really like. It's a, I think it's Ella Fitzgerald uh, Ghosts. For some reason, a lot of Little Shop of Horrors comes on, and I'm not a big musical fan. Oh. But um, I but you like, have a singer. I do like. Yeah, I do like the Seymour songs. I like I like his stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Great. There you go. Most famous person in your contacts on your in your phone. Uh, I don't. I don't have any. I don't. <laughs> don't. I really. I mean, I've got the current cast of Hollyoaks yeah, people I worked with. It's whoever. It's whoever I'm working with at the time. Uh, I think I've still got Shane Ritchie's number, but I don't know if he'd answer my call anymore. Your greatest place on earth that you've ever experienced. And this is going to sound really cheesy, but I think it's where I live now. Aww. Because we've, every day that we go out, if we go for a little walk, we go two minutes down the road and we're on a beach. Yeah. And my wife and I just almost on a daily basis go, oh my God, I can't believe this is where we live. You know, we live on Holiday Island. We, we're, we're just living on holiday. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's the best feeling. So I think where we are now is is the best place. Yeah. That's fantastic. And you've been married. I don't know how many years you've been married. Uh oh gosh, don't ask me that question. 10, 12 uh, no, 2000 and, uh, 2010. So I was yeah, I was 40. So 2010. So what year is it now? 12. Yeah. Yeah, 12 years. Congratulations. Thank you. That's lovely. So you live. What's the big thing that goes on there in the summer? We have a kite festival. So it's like people uh, surfboarding with kites. You know, what, what do they call that? Oh, yeah, you're kite surfing. Yeah. Kite, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Those two words together. That's, that's about... <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's called. It's surfing and there's kites. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Kite surfing. <laughs> oh, dang, that's like a green room moment. <laughs> this, is when, this is when you know. The, the stupid Raji in the podcast isn't that far removed from the real Raji. <laughs> oh, funny. Guilty pleasure. What's your guilty pleasure? I don't have any, I don't think. Because th I'm never guilty about anything. If I do Good. something, I just, I just, I'm sort of too old to care about stuff like that. Great answer. I could, I could, I could easily eat 20 Cornish pasties in a day. You know what I mean? That's... <laughs> well, that's a Cornish pasty. Yeah, Who's going to say, I can make Cornish pasty. Which I do do. I do oh. do my own. So There's so, nothing yeah, Very happy. Mm. Very happy about a Cornish pasty. Um, I love shortbread. Uh, you make it. With glass of wood. Uh, I don't. My wife does. I don't really do baking or sweets. She's yeah. very good at that stuff. She makes the best cheesecake in the universe. So oh. she does this brilliant baked cheesecake, which I mm. absolutely love. Yeah, all my guilty pleasures are food related. I don't actually feel guilty about them. So great! I've just got into Star Bars again. Do you remember Star Bars? I don't, I don't know what that is. Oh, it's like a better Snicker, anything with peanuts. Oh, but it's it's like oh. a roll. 
happening. Anyway, look how... See, I'm not a sweet person. Oh, uh, no, you know, I have just okay. gone crazy okay. on those at the moment. They're still 60p as well, which is unbelievable. It's a bargain. Um, <laughs> sad. What's, what's the latest Netflix or Amazon show that you've been, that you can rate? The biggest thing at the moment for us is Yellowstone, Yellowstone. which is on Paramount, Paramount Plus. Uh, okay. Don't know it. It is absolutely fantastic. And there's a spin-off called 1883. We actually saw that before we saw Yellowstone. It's just brilliant. I can really, really recommend it. I won't ruin it, but it's yeah. 1883 is, is back to the sort of Western era from a predominantly female perspective. And it's just extraordinary because you kind of go, oh, my God, of course there were women back then. Of course there were, but they're never featured. And this is a whole series kind of telling the story of a journey in that world, but mostly through a female perspective. And it's just just brilliant. And then because of that, we started watching Yellowstone, which is the series that it's a spin-off of with Kevin Costner and... To be honest, I'm not a huge Kevin Costner fan, but this this is a seminal piece of work. It's just brilliant. Like it? Good tip. What's your funniest sitcom? That's a tough one. Uh, I absolutely loved Modern Family. Yeah. And then absolutely loved Schitt's Creek. Love. Which is... I mean, just mind-blowing how good it is. Yeah. But also, whilst all that is going on, possibly, I think, the best piece of work I've ever seen is Afterlife. Really good. Okay. Just because it's deep and, and you're laughing and crying and just doing all of the emotions, just, you know... Extraordinary pieces of work. Extraordinary yeah. pieces. I agree completely with Shit's Creek, Modern Family. Curb your enthusiasm. Never got into that. Didn't get into it, Mr. Larry? No. Him? No. no. What else can I give you? I'll tell you one that I've just been doing at the moment is Pen 15, and it's written by two girls in their 20s. It's on, I think it's on Sky Comedy. They play teenagers, but they're in they're in their twenties, and it covers such a range of subjects. Pen fifteen, and it's written like penis. Um, this is just my sort of thing. Apparently, by chance. Yeah. Okay, I shall look it up. <laughs> look it up. Pen fifteen, but it, they're short. Twenty, I think twenty-three minute episodes, but it's really clever. Can we talk about your long hair? I love the long hair. Well, before before I did East is East, so from when I left drama college to when I did East is East, so that's about six, seven years, my hair was never cut. I mean, I, it was down past my shoulder blades. And my first day when we went into film East is East, they just cut it all up. And that was it. It just stayed short until, well, until I didn't have a job. You can usually tell if I'm working by how <laughs> my hair is. Yes. <laughs> Because I sort of, I've got into this habit of I, I don't cut my hair unless I absolutely have to. Because when you're working, 
they want it cut how they want it. Yeah, they look after you. Know, you. So, they tell you how long to keep everything. and Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of the times where I've not worked, part of me thinks, oh, it's the industry, it's difficult, da, da, da. But actually, do you know what? I was write some letters, make some phone calls. It, it always has a good result. The, the, the work isn't just when you're on set. The work is all of the prep work. It's all of the chasing up, doing research, finding who's doing what, what shows are available, how can you get seen for them. You know, it's it's graft. It is a it's a self-employed job. I had a student oh God, that sounds rude. I had a a, a student uh, recently who'd paid to go to one of these um casting director workshops, you know, where you pay to be told how to do stuff. And um that way from it was yeah so every no a step nearer to a yes and 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 they said oh is that is that is that the case and i went no of course it's not every every no is literally a no that's all it is (laughs) (laughs) it's like tossing a coin just because it was heads last time doesn't mean it's going to be tails next time you know you've got to put the work in each time you've got to you know, see what's working, see what people are responding to. If you're getting no's, then it's either that they're wrong or you're wrong. That's all. That's the only two options. There's a whole industry of people out there trying to convince others that there's some magic formula. That if you do X, Y, and Z, if you pay money to this person or that person, whereas actually you shouldn't have to pay any money to anyone. You should just do your research and write to people and be honest and say, this is my experience. This is who I am. I'd like to work with you. What do I need to do? Mm. And do that a million times, you know. Do you email people, Roger, rather than... I do. Yeah, I go through phases where I, like, have, um, you know, for months, obviously, my agent's doing stuff, and then maybe once or twice, maybe three times a year, I'll put together a bunch of projects that I've heard are happening or contacts of people that I know are working on things that are, I'd really like to be involved in. And I just blast out a load of emails, you know, update my videos on whatever it is, uh, Twitter or YouTube or whatever. And, and just say, look, please, can I come and work for you? <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if you let me, you know, dream project, what would, what would be your dream project? Uh, I think I've, I've pretty much done most of my dream projects, to be honest. Um, I think I'm re- I've been really, really fortunate. I think something sci-fi that's full-on, big-budget, sci-fi world would be nice. I mean, I've just done a piece, a very small piece, in the new production of uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth with Naomi Harris and Chiwetel Ejiofor, and... When I got that job, it's the first time, and my wife said this, <laughs> she said that's the first time she's seen me emotional about getting a job. Because I had tears in my eyes when I told her, yeah, they want me, they, I'm doing it. And it was only it was only in three scenes, three small scenes. But just to work with that kind of team was extraordinary. Because just it's a different level because it's huge budget. And everything is just bang on point. 
you know. Yeah. And the watching a director, Alex Kurtzman, just the way he was allowing people space to, okay, let's see how you want to do it. Now let's do it how the cameras want to do it. Now let's do it again how I want it done. Now let's do it again how you want it. And it was just this kind of uh, whole collaborative way of working. Was just, uh, just I spent the four or five days I was there, I just spent most of my time just observing how everything's done, you know. So just so yeah, being able to work on something like that for more than a few days would be fantastic. Like just the whole thing working at that level is completely yeah. different. As actors, we have to remember that it's not like we're giving service, you know, it's not like we're nurses or police officers or or putting our lives on the line. So production companies owe us nothing. They employ us for the duration of our contract and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think some people struggle with that, but they are ruthless, you know, and you are, you are a talking prop. And once your usefulness has ended, yeah, you, that's it. You're back in the storeroom, you know. On the shelf, collecting dust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I think for all of us, it's. I think it's probably true for any self-employed industry, but I think for actors, it's really important to be secure in yourself. When you're getting all those no's, as long as you're happy with what you're doing, as long as you're happy with what you're submitting, you're happy with your showreel or you're happy with your CV, then just keep doing it, you know, but have a life, mm. you know, live, take walks on the beach, go and go fishing or whatever, or get a job in a supermarket or in a pub or whatever, somewhere you can enjoy and you can just be yourself. Cause I know yeah. that for me, that's been the thing over the years, you know, whether I've been teaching or whether I've been delivering sandwiches or working on a building site, those are the things that keep me in touch with life. That's really good advice. That is it, isn't it? If you're happy with yourself in the day, in the night, and and you wake up yeah. with a, a fresh look on it all, it's it's absolutely fine. It's what self employment's it about. And it, yeah, and it gets out of this cycle of feeling as if your job is to please other people. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, I think Brian Cranston said it in his book that the best situation to be in is when you walk into an audition. Walk in as if it's your first day on the job. It's a silly little mindset change. But if you walk into an audition just in your head thinking, well, I'm just going to work, all pressure goes and you then put the work in because you want to work that script, you want to work that character, you want to, you know. So when they sit there and ask you questions about, oh, how do you see this? You know the answers because you've done the work. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going in there to please them. Walking in, when you just say walking in to the room, because we've not been able to walk in the room for the last... Yeah. I'm really struggling so much with... Oh, I'm not. No. Because I think... I love... You like it. You like doing self-tank. You don't want to go in Mm. the room and meet people. Never again. No. It's interesting. No. No. My my wife has pointed out, and, and she's absolutely right about this, that um, I'm really successful getting jobs if people don't actually get to meet me. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I need so, to be uh, I think I get too much nervous energy. And as you've probably seen during this podcast, is you'll ask a very simple question and I'll give a 25-minute answer. And I think I have a tendency to do that in an audition. 
and it just i think it's a bit much whereas the self-tape i set everything up press record go through the script five or six times one after the other boom 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 and then i edit it together and send it and i only send it when i'm happy with it so i don't yeah. it's not like an audition where i'm getting on the bus afterwards and go oh i should have said this okay and do you have does your wife play the other part have you got a little no. thing going on no you get someone else no i have an app that i use uh it's called script rehearser <laughs> script rehearser seriously i've got to i've got to do something different so maybe this will help the raji magic there's a couple of things i do for self tapes that i think i'm not sure anyone else does so the first is i always use a green screen so i do everything in front of a green screen and even if when once i've put it together i'll just put a plain background in replace of the green screen but then I can choose a slightly different color. So it might be gray or it might be slightly blue or it might be slightly red, depending on what the scene is. Okay. So I can just, you know, do that. That's funny because my boy said, my he obviously knows because he's 15 and he said, Mum, we should get a green screen for home and then we can just yeah. fold it away. So he was absolutely on point, wasn't he? But I don't wear the top. <laughs> this green top. Yeah, don't, don't wear that. <laughs> And also, I use my phone, which I haven't got with me, but I, I, I film in portrait. That way? Yeah. So I film it that way. Yeah. But so if you imagine this is that, but when I edit it, I edit it so that the landscape is like there, and then I can pan up and down within that frame. Mm. So it just gives you a bit more scope. So okay. if, if that's if that that frame now is the width of the portrait. Yeah. I've also got more room below. So if my character stands up or sits down, then within the editing, I can plan and zoom. So I can be filming there and I'm standing and then my character sits down and I just plan and zoom. With got, the frame. yeah. So got, yeah. saves me having to actually move the camera. I don't, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that now. So if I show you, I can show you a script. So if I press this. I'm really not sure. I wasn't even planning on going to the hospital ball. Someone's got to give a little speech to introduce him, dot, dot, dot. And I thought, who better than you? So that, that plays the offlines and I can adjust it to change the tone or the speed at which they say the lines and then leaves gaps for my lines. Fantastic. So then I can say my lines and then it will carry on. And that script rehearser, that might help. And if you've got a really fast turnaround, like you get the self-tape request in the evening and they want it by tomorrow afternoon, then you can even, because I have this next to the, so I've got my phone here and I've got this next to it and I can just read the script. And that's also my eye line. Okay. So, that's helpful. Much as I would obviously always learn the lines as best I can. Yeah. But those moments where you just don't have time, Top tips. Woohoo. <laughs> but it also helps. It also helps that I have a 3D printer. So I I I make all of the little brackets that I can put on a tripod so I can have my phone, my tablet, my little light, plus brackets on my soft lights and things. So I've just 3D printed all the bits. So it's really quick for me to set up. Oh. Yeah, but I love I love self-taping. 
I know before the pandemic, there was a few actors I knew that would talk about this thing, self-taping, because they didn't live in London. And they would say, oh, you know, it's really good. I can do this. And I think, oh, that sounds really complicated. But now that I'm doing it and I'm trying to improve it every time I do another one, I just love it. I love the control it gives to the actor because you can't have anything better than being happy with what you're sending. And if I'm happy with what I'm sending, then it doesn't matter if I get the job because I feel as if I've done a piece of work. I feel as if yeah. grafted and I've done something. And so if they say, oh, we're going with someone else, I don't take it personally because I know what I did was my best. Yeah. I think the ones that I have done, and, and I think I'm getting better and better, I sort of do it in the feeling that I've done well and I'll look back and go, mm, yeah, that's okay. But actually, if I did if I did that way, I could keep going, not have to rely on that person that I've brought to, you know, they've only got half an hour or da 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 da. So I'm going to try your way. If I ever get another self tape. Well, do you know that's the other thing is I spent uh, this is be, even before we moved at the beginning of the pandemic. I spent a long time practicing before I even got a self tape request. Okay. So I was. I was practicing how to set my how to set my gear up, what lights work best. Do I need to buy new lights? Do I need to get this? It's a, that's how I came to sort of realize I need to do it on a green screen because then I could set it up in my garage, and it didn't matter what was around me. Steve Hartley's like that. He's got it yeah. well organized in his garage. Well, you have to be. I think you yeah. know you have to be, and and so I would get scripts off of like BBC Writers Room. And I would just go, okay, let's imagine I'm doing that scene. Yeah. And I would just practice with that scene. But I think I've done it for about two months on and off, practicing different things, different cameras, tried it with the GoPro, tried it with my phone, tried it with my tablet, tried lots of different setups before I was happy. And then the very first self-tape request that came in, I think I knocked it out in about an hour and I got the job straight away. I think I've only done about seven self-tapes since I started doing them, and I got five of the jobs. So I think that's not a bad return. That's amazing. It just, for me, it takes away those moments of self-doubt because I just think, well, I do this because I love the work. So, I'm just, so I enjoy that anyway. Yeah. And I've learned to edit. I've learned to use green screen software. I've learned script editing. I'm learning parts of the craft while I'm doing it. So, and and edit your own showreel as well. That's I think that's really important. Learn to edit so that you can edit your own showreel because only you know which of your stuff is your best stuff. Don't yeah. leave it up to someone else to make a decision. Nice one, Raji. That's the educator in me coming out. Yeah, I like it. It's so nice to be with you this morning. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I hope I haven't taken up too much of your time. Great chats, great answers. Just thank you. That was a bit of pleasure. I have to go, I've got to make some soup and then I've got to get in the car. I love the fact you make your soup. What's your soup? Yeah, courgette and carrot to go. Do you make your own stock? No, not 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 at that stage yet, no. Well, I'm having uh, actually doing roast chicken on Sunday, so I probably will make a stock for the first time once I've got the bones. Do you know what's a good tip? When you're back bashing, bash it down with like a, uh, you know, like a masher when it's mm -hmm. in, in, in the hot water to so really bash it down. 
beforehand, if you know what I mean. Because they say you should roast the bones before. Yeah, well, I've got um, a ninja foodie. So it does all the different things. It's like a pressure washer, not pressure washer, pressure cooker. Chicken everywhere. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Raji, for being such a fantastic guest. It was really lovely to be reunited with you after 20 years. Next time, I interview my dear friend, Jane Wall, who played PC Di Worrell. Jane lives and works in LA now and has just starred in a feature film over there. Plus, guest starred in the likes of Grey's Anatomy. So we will be chatting about that, plus, of course, her memories of the bill. We hope you'll join us. You have been listening to The Bill Podcast, presented by me, Natalie Rolls. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com, shop.saturdaymorningpress.co.uk and cityfiction.co.uk. The Bill Podcast is produced by Oliver Crocker, co-produced by Ben Adams, Glenn Allen, Rob Cook, Georgina Dark, Sarah Kuyper, Calvin Millward, Maz Mirabliss, Alex Mockler, and Simon Wolfe. Executive produced by Isabel Allen, Ben Ashmore, Alana Dewar, Andrew Dyack, Paul Dunn, Tony Drury, Dan Evans, Laura Ewing, George Fairbrother, Luke Hegarty, Alan Hunting, Edward Kellett, James Ladane, Lucy McNeil, Gary Moncur, Danny Morris, Steph Morris, Claire Norbury, Laura Pinifay, Michael Seeley, Tom Sherrington, Angel Stannard, Paul Statter, Patrick Stratford, Tom Wentworth, Michael Weil, and Sarah Went. The theme music is composed by Matthew Annis. You can unlock over 100 hours of bonus The Bill podcast content as a patron, including cast and crew commentaries, reunions, reactions, billgrimages, <laughs> off-the-beat podcasts, and much more. Support us from 2 49 a month at patreon.com forward slash The Bill Podcast. Mm-hmm.